Hey everyone, welcome to the Center Church Podcast. My name is Jack and I'm the Youth and Discipleship Resident here at Center Church in Byron Center, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by his word, and move to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in him. John said, my name is Arianna Eckert, and I have the privilege of being the director of NTS Camp, and we love the Zero Collective's partnership in that, where together we get to minister to middle school and high school students in a summer camp setting, and it has been an honor to do life with um, John and Lindsay for many years, and John is a gift, I know, to your church, and he's a gift to our family as well, and I do have some stories on him. If you need any of them, you can catch me later. (laughs) Would love to do that. Um, I have been encouraged and challenged in this month's series as I've been able to watch online and, and to hear the messages that have been, been brought to us about this theme and this, this title of anchors. And uh, we looked at the anchor of identity, um, being anchored in God's promises, being anchored in prayer, and being an anchored in fasting. And when you look at an anchor and you understand the importance of what an anchor is, an anchor keeps a vessel in place, right? When the winds and the storms and the waves come and they try to move that vessel off course, that anchor keeps it right where it's supposed to be. We've heard it said that you're either in life coming out of a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're about to enter a storm. You know, God never promised a life without storms. God never promised a life of ease. When we signed up, to be in his family, to be a Christ follower. It meant that we were signing up for a life of storms, (laughs) but storms that we would never have to face alone. Storms that we would never have to be alone in, and because of that, the storm can never win. They don't have to move us. The spiritual anchors that we've been learning about, they've, they've been grounding us, and they've been keeping us from moving off course. They keep you connected to what matters most. And that is God, a God who loves you, a God who sees you, a God who knows you, and a God who is fighting for you, who's fighting fiercely for you in the middle of your storm to keep you right where you need to be, right in the palm of his hand. Have you ever sat and thought about how much people need people? I don't know if you know people like this, independent people or introverted people say, I don't need people, but really they need people. (laughs) If they want to admit or if they want to realize it or not, but they do need people. And more than ever in history, we're more connected to people through social media and through different kinds of avenues of that. But yet in more times in history, I think we're lonelier people than we've ever have been. Do you find yourself longing and desiring for community? Do you find yourself desiring and longing for people to do life with? Because if you do, it's the most natural thing that you could go through. It's the most natural thing because God created us for community. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And in everything he said, it was good until he got to man. And when he created man, he said, it's not good for him to be alone. 
I need to create a helper for him. So he created Eve. And then together he said to them, go and multiply in the earth. Build a community. Do this together. So if you have that longing in your heart, it is a God-given longing. And it is something that he understands because he created it in us. I found some interesting communities online that people can be a part of. One is the Luxuriant Flowing Hair Club for Scientists. (laughs) And there's just four steps to membership in this club here. It's the photo evidence of said luxuriant flowing hair. It's knowing which hair clubs you want to join because it has subchapters like flowing facial hair or formerly flowing hair um, and more. (laughs) A link to a site that legitimizes your scientific credentials and a statement of why you belong. Another one I found, the slogan is, if you're happy and you know it, know it, join the Society of Happy People. This was founded in the late 90s, and the group really found its footing when they challenged Ann Landers on a piece of, of advice that she gave to readers. In her column, she said that it's best to keep good news to, them, to yourselves when writing holiday letters. Nobody wants to hear it, <laughs> which made the secret society very unhappy. <laughs> So the press picked up the clash, and the publicity made membership skyrocket. Still haven't heard of them, but somewhere it skyrocketed, right? Another scientist one I found. If you're a scientist and your name is Steve, there's a club for you called Project Steve. If you're a Steve, Steven, Steven with a PH, Stephanie, Esteban, or any other variations, you're welcome to join Project Steve, which even has its own theme song. The Steve song. <laughs> See, it's not necessarily hard to find groups and, and th- places to be a part of in the world, but these random groups and random places in the part of the world can only offer you what the world can only offer you. But today we're going to look at the something that the world can't offer. It's a community established and ordained by God himself, the church, God's church. Let's spend some time seeing what the Bible has to say about these three questions that we're going to look into. What is the church? What is the purpose of the church? And what, how does the church serve as an anchor in the storms of life? So if you have your Bible, if you want to turn with me to Matthew 16, and we'll start at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your presence today. I thank you for the time of worship that we've had that have gotten our hearts ready. And God, I pray in these next few moments as you speak through your word and the authority of your scripture, God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand exactly what it is 
that you'd have for us to know today. We're open and we're willing, and we're asking you to change us today. In Jesus' name, amen. See, here we see the first mention of the church. Jesus knew that his time on earth to be physically with his disciples was coming to an end. And he wanted and needed to know that his disciples knew him, that, he un- that they understood, that they realized what the truth is. He needed to know that they were ready to continue his work when he was gone from earth, that, he, that they were ready to labor for the kingdom's sake. So he took them to this pretty strategic place, if you think about it, because Caesarea Philippi was a very dark place. If there was something maybe that we could compare to that here in in America today, that would probably be somewhere like Las Vegas, or it'd be somewhere like New Orleans, just places where you go where you know that there's a lot of other things going on besides worshiping God, and there's just a, a dark feeling there. And with this backdrop here, he put them together, and he said to them, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Do you know who I am? In the midst of a chaotic, dark world, of places where people maybe don't recognize me, who do you say that I am? And when Peter answered correctly, Jesus said, yes. And on this rock, I will build my church. That's the faith that was needed. That's what God would use to build his church upon. The confession that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Later, we find Peter talking to the church about Jesus and the church. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like the living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and a precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In Ephesians 2, we read, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Paul says in 1 Timothy, is he explaining how the church leaders should act? He says, if I am delayed, you'll know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. And this is how he explains God's household, the church, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. See, the little C in church is the building that we're in. But the capital C church is not a building. The capital C church is a people who put their faith in Jesus. It's who confess that Jesus is the Christ. It's the body of believers, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's people, his special possession, the pillar and foundation of truth, a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit, and the capital C Church is the family of God. So what is the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church 
three things, to give God praise, to grow spiritually together, and to go and fulfill the Great Commission. And to give God praise, we see in 1 Peter 2.9 that we just read, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. All of creation was created to give him praise. We were created to give him praise. The Bible says that he inhabits the praise of his people. Oh, that we may wake up every morning with a worship in our hearts and praise in our hearts and go throughout our day and go to bed. That's what we are created to do. Second, the church's created purpose is to grow spiritually together. And we see Paul says in Colossians 1, 28, Christ is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We grow spiritually when we learn God's word together. And when we sing songs that are bits and pieces of, of scripture, what that does to our heart to be putting that inside of us. When we sit under the teaching of God's word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that's the purpose of the church. And then third, to go and fulfill the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, we weren't meant to just keep this to ourselves. We weren't meant to just come into this building and have a good experience and then just to walk away and not think about it anymore. We were meant to go out and to share the good news about Jesus and to talk about this relationship that everyone can have with him and to invite people into that relationship with Jesus and invite them into the relationship with the church. That's what we were called to do. When we understand the purpose of the church, it changes us. It makes us less critical. It takes the focus off of us. It invites us to something bigger than us. And I think we all want to be included in something bigger than us. It beckons us to ask, what is my role in the church? I read this anonymous anonymous quote. It says, this is my church. It is composed of people just like me. It will be friendly if I am friendly. It will be filled with praise and worship if I praise and worship. It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into its fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. If that could be our prayer, if that could be our hope, what is the purpose of the church? When we understand the purpose of the church, we understand the importance of it, and then we seek to find our role in it. If you're a follower of Jesus, stay consistently connected to the church and to its purpose. In my husband and I's 30 years of ministry, it's been sad to see some people that we know walked away from their faith and have fallen out of their faith with Jesus. And when we can look at their life, it does come back to the point where we can see when they stopped going to church. Maybe they started just going every other week, and then they started going maybe once a month. And then they maybe started going once every couple of months. Man, it's so important to be in the church. 
It's so important to be with God's people. It's so important to be in a place where we're reminding each other, why are we really here on earth? It's not for the cars and the boats and the houses. It's to give God praise. It's to learn and teach God's word. It's to go and tell the world about Jesus. Make church a priority. Parents, make church a priority in your home. My dad's a pastor. He used to say, you take your kids to the doctor, you take them to the dentist, you take them to church. (laughs) It's the best thing for him. That's what we're here to do. The church is such an important place for us to be. And sometimes we talk to people that say, you know what, I, I have my relationship with God, I don't need the church. And we say to these people, yeah, you do. <laughs> you need the church. But you know what else? The church needs you. We all have a part to play in it, and we all have a different part of the body that, that is missing when you're not a part of it. Lastly, the last question to look at is, how does a church serve as an anchor in the storms of life? I love reading about the early church in Acts. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is what it said of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, they learned together. They did life together. They saw God do miracles together because they were praying and asking God to do miracles. They gave to the needy. They met in the temple courts every day together. They hung out in each other's homes, and they praised God together. See, this community was an anchor in their faith. And when we practice community in this way, when the storms of life come, the church is an anchor. James 5.14 says, If anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. When the storms of sickness or disease come, the church is an anchor. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. When the storms of loneliness and discouragement come, the church is an anchor. In June of 2022, There was a young girl named Anna and her little brother, Timmy, that were going to get snacks at the store as they were preparing to go to NTS camp, the camp that we we run. And on the way to the store, they were T-boned in this horrific crash. And their mom got the phone call that no mom ever wanted to receive. And all of a sudden, this storm out of nowhere came into this family's home and into their world. The worst nightmare I saw on Facebook right away that this is when I knew that it happened. It said the post said, Anna is stabilized and talking. They've been in a serious accident, but pray. And then the next text, Timmy is still completely unresponsive and has brain bleeding, and his body was crushed. See, it would be a little while before she could even see Timmy, but the doctors let her come in to see him before three to four-hour surgery, and 
this storm that just came out of nowhere was brewing, and they were right in the middle of it. They had no idea when it would end or how it would end. But here they were in this storm, assessing the children. This is the injury list that came from what had happened from this injury. Anna had broken five or six ribs, fractured her right tibia and fibula, shattered her right ankle into six pieces, had a skull fracture, brain bleed, collapsed lung, and burns from the airbag and lacerations from shattered glass all over her face and upper body. Timmy, who was in the passenger side, had a bilateral fractured femurs, all ends splintered and erupting through the skin, both upper thighs bent at 90 degree angles, lost 80% of the flesh and muscle, flesh and muscle on his lower right leg, the bone, the tendon, and a very little bit of skin and veins remained. Everything else was gone. He lost 50% of flesh and muscle on his left knee. He had a broken left arm, shattered left wrist. His face and skull split open to his brain from the eyelid up to the top of the center of his head when it hit the dashboard. He had a grade 3 traumatic brain injury with shearing and brain stem involvement. He's in coma for 10 days, minimally responsive, non-alert for three weeks. His bruising covering every quadrant of the brain. Fractured jaw, broken teeth, fractured maxillary sinus, dislocated TMJ, required eight blood transfusions. This horrible storm. It went from being in the middle of it to minutes, to hours, to weeks, to months. This is something that you can't imagine your child going through. You want to just experience it for them. You want to take it from them. But this family watched what was happening in the middle of the storm. And then in June of 2023, one year later, Anna and Timmy walked on the stage of NCS camp. They walked on stage, alive and walking without assistance. And 1,200 people at that camp stood to their feet and clapped and cheered. And were amazed to see the signs and wonders that God had done. A real life miracle right in front of them. And I asked Anna just on the spot, Anna, would you share with all of us what God has done for you? She was so poised and in a beautiful smile and such a calm way. She got to tell us about her God. And how God had been there for her. And that God had never left her. And that God saved her life and saved her brother's life, and healed her, and healed him. And then she said something that I wasn't expecting. She said, and then I realized how important the church is, and what a gift the church is to us. Because the moment it happened, the church started praying. And then the church brought meals, and gift cards, and and they paid for things that we needed, and they brought money for the medical bills, and, and they were there for us. They took kids here and there. They lived on a farm. They took care of the animals. The church showed up. And the church was an anchor for them. See, this family was raised in the church. They had eight children. And they brought their kids to church every Sunday. I watched them. I attended church with them for years and years and years. Sometimes we think it's hard enough to get ourselves to church, don't we? (laughs) And there they were. They had been an anchor for somebody else. I've watched them. I've watched them pray for people, and I've watched them show up for people. And now in the midst of their storm that nobody ever expects to have, the church showed up, and the church was their anchor. 
And the church is what got them through. God used the church in this storm. Does the church get it right every time? (laughs) No. I mean, you think about it. This perfect God created this perfect community, his church. And then in his kindness, he lets a bunch of imperfect people be a part of it. (laughs) We're going to mess up sometimes. We're going to fail. We may miss opportunities to minister to each other and through hard times for whatever reasons. Maybe it's simply not knowing. Maybe it's thinking somebody else is going to take care of it. Maybe it's just missing it. Sometimes we may allow words and actions to come across like condemnation instead of allowing God's kind gift of conviction to be at work. I don't know if there are any sweeter words to the enemy, the devil, than to hear someone say, the church hurt me and I'll never go back. Or the church has made me so angry I'd never step foot in that church again. Oh, I think he just loves that. If you're in the house today or if you're listening online and and you've been hurt by the church, listen very carefully to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that imperfect people with our imperfections clouded your view of a perfect God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. I am sorry. I've been going to church my whole life. I've been a part of the church, capital C, since I was six years old and I gave my life to Jesus. I've been hurt. I know I've hurt people human condition but I've stuck with it long enough to realize that there are people in the church who really aren't where they need to be with the Lord but for the most part we're all just doing our best flaws and all and by the grace of God he has helped me to keep my eyes on him and his perfection more than the imperfections of people he has given me a love for the church that comes with the grace and forgiveness that he has given me. And I pray that for you today. Because I love the church. And it has been an anchor for my soul. I don't know where I'd be today without the church. I don't know what I would know without the church. I don't know how I'd understand salvation and walking into my calling without the church. I don't know where my knowledge of the Bible and life would be. I don't know where I'd learn grace and forgiveness. I don't know how I'd be able to face life's storms without the church. It's been where I run to when the world is beating me up. It's been where I turn to find somebody who's trying to follow Jesus like I am, who understands and can speak truth and life into my journey with me. Just like Jesus asked Peter and the disciples, he's asking all of us today, who do you say that I am? In the midst of the chaotic world that is just lost and dark and searching for truth, maybe in the middle of your storm, who do you say that Jesus is?
can assume that everybody in the room or watching online has this relationship with Jesus. But maybe today could be your day. It's as simply as confessing that we've sinned and we've messed up. It's turning from a life without him and turning our old life to follow him. It's believing in Jesus, that he is the Messiah, that he is the son of the living God, that he died and rose again. It's receiving his gift of eternal life and life to the full here on earth. And when you do this, you step into this relationship with Jesus, which is the best relationship that you could ever be in. And then you become a part of this family. You become a part of the church. And it can be an anchor for you because Jesus himself said that nothing can overcome it. Nothing can overcome his church. Commit yourself to Jesus. Commit yourself to the church. Commit yourself to this church. You're not here by accident. We need each other. Let's be a church that God wants us to be. Let's be a people that live to praise God. Let's be a people that learn and teach. Let's be a people that go and tell the good news about Jesus. Let's pray with your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you're tired of trying and working and striving and feeling unfulfilled and being alone and you want to have a relationship with him and be a part of his wonderful church, all you need to do in your heart right now is to pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I need you. I confess I've sinned. I turn away from my old life. I believe you died on the cross and rose again for me. And I accept you as the Lord of my life. Help me to follow you as long as I live. And if you've prayed that prayer, you're a child of God. You're in God's family now. We would love to know that and pray with you and walk this journey with you. Please find Pastor John after this service. as we continue to close this reflection time that we've been having week after week, I'd just love to read this passage over you. And I'd love for you to reflect on God's gift of the church and your part in the church and, and the anchor that the church is for you. From Ephesians 3, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit centergr.com new. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.